Hello, everyone, uh, our listeners and uh, watchers online. Welcome to another episode of Scoliosis Dialogues. This is your official SRS podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing one of our award winners from the Scoliosis Research Society annual meeting. So uh, I'm your host for today. I'm John Voorhees from Stanford, and I'm joined by Alejandro Gomez Rice uh, from Madrid, who is an orthopedic spine surgeon. And he has uh, presented a paper at SRS this year called Influence of Smoking on Patient-Reported Outcome Measures in Patients Undergoing Surgery for Adult Spinal Deformity, a propensity score-matched analysis excluding tobacco or excuse me, known tobacco-related complications. And uh, Dr. Gomez-Rice won the uh, Luis A. Goldstein uh, Best Clinical Research ePoint Award. So congratulations uh, very much on your award. Thank you very much. It's a great honor for me to be in this podcast series today. Excellent. We're, we're happy to have you. So uh, maybe before we get into the, the nitty-gritty of your research, you can just uh, introduce yourself a little bit and uh, tell us... Uh, what your, what your practice is like. Okay. Um, I'm an orth- orthopedic surgeon, spine surgeon in, in Madrid, Spain. Um, I obtained my medical degree in uh, Universidad Autónoma of Madrid in 2005 and then did my uh, residency in orthopedic surgeon in, uh, in orthopedic surgery in Getafe, which is a small hospital in the south of of Madrid, but with a, a good spinal unit. Um, in fact, it's a great place to learn spine surgery uh, because there was a, a pretty good spinal surgeon there, Enrique Izquierdo, who's my, my mentor, that's now retired, but uh, he's still an, an SRS member. Uh, I stayed there until 2020, and for the last three years, I've been working in Ramón y Cajal, which is a one of the biggest hospitals in, in Madrid. Uh, we have a great human team there and the latest state-of-the-art technology, so I'm very happy. I did my PhD last year, um, investigating about the role of clinical photography in adult spinal deformity. Um, I've been a member of the European Spine Study Group for the last two years when uh, Ferran Pellice invited me to, to join and I feel very lucky because it gives me the chance to to interact with such privileged minds in the ESSG, and this is my second study with them, and I hope there are many, many to come. And I think that's it. That's me. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I hope I hope there's many more to come as well. So tell us a little bit about uh, the uh, the study group. Well, it's a uh, the study group. It's a, a multi-centered European. Um, study group um, mainly about uh, adult spinal deformity. Um, there have been a couple of uh, new centers uh, introduced uh, last year, so it's eight hospitals now. Uh, so it's uh, we have the annual meeting once a year. It's coming uh, in a couple of weeks now, and we have like uh, research meetings every three months and. Um, I get to learn a, a lot from from everyone there because um, it's a lot of different ways of seeing of seeing things, you know. And some see people are more clinical. Some some are like uh, biomechanics experts, and it's great great for me. I'm just learning there, really. Mm-hmm. 
And so it's a it's a prospectively collected database yeah. of, of adult spinal deformity patients. Is that yeah, that's right? it. There's a lead a lead research coordinator in each center getting all the all the data, you know, the radiographic data and the and the clinical data. And yeah, it's prospective. So it's been working since 2010. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How many centers participate? How many sites? Eight sites now. It used to be six six sites now. I think. Yeah. Uh, in which countries do you know? Spain, uh, Zurich, uh, Bordeaux. Well, Spain, it's Madrid and Barcelona. Uh, um, Istanbul in Turkey. Ankara used to participate. No, now they don't. Um, what am I leaving out? I think that's it. I think that's it. Well, now that there's UK also and Strasbourg that they are the two sites, new sites from last year. So, yeah, it's eight countries, I think. So, it must be complicated to uh, to manage patient privacy rules and computer systems and languages from from all. Yeah, those languages. Uh, of course, there's the thing in, uh, about languages with the with the instruments with the SRS instrument because they're a bit. Sometimes the tra translations are not good enough, you know. So there are some items that must be checked in in every questionnaire. But we're we're on it also, yeah. But that's a limitation mm -hmm. for our studies, for the translation of the of of the questionnaires, yeah. Yeah. Um, great. And so, uh, what uh, what led you to decide to do uh, a PhD after you were already practicing as an orthopedic surgeon? I'm curious. It's a good question. I'm not sure if I know the answer because I wanted to improve, I suppose, my research skills. That's the main reason. Yeah. So I, I couldn't tell you really what's my motivation. I like research, so so I seemed like the logical the logical thing to do. I, I don't I don't think in in Spain is it's 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 really useful for for my clinical practice, uh, but I wanted to have it. You know, it's. Yeah. I'm always did aiming continue, to do something else. Yeah. Did you do it part time and continue to to practice surgery yeah. while you? While yeah, you did I did it. I did it part time. Yeah, took me took me five years, but I did it part time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's great. Um, okay. Well, uh, uh, maybe we can get into your paper a little bit, and uh, perhaps you'd uh, like to just give us a brief summary of what your 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 methods were, your big question, and and your findings. For our listeners who haven't had a chance to, to see the whole presentation. Okay, so usually when you think about tobacco and adult spinal deformity, you think about the complications. The, you think about worse clinical outcomes, but only because they they ha they get more infections, they have more mechanical complications, more pseudos. So what we wanted to know if there's a relationship between smoking and clinical outcomes uh, measured in PROMs, excluding the tobacco-related complications. So what's what, that's what we, we did. We had 692 patients uh, without uh, mechanical complications and without, and without infection. And of those one, 692, 154 were smokers. So what we did is after propensity score matching for age, BMI, number of fused levels, and global tilt, we had 153 pairs of patients that were homogeneous regarding baseline parameters and surgical data. And in those 153 pairs of patients, we saw that 
um, smokers had worse baseline parameters and smokers also had worse uh, results uh, measured in PROMS at the end of follow-up at two years. We didn't find a statistically significant difference in, in the improvement after surgery. So the percentage of patients reaching the minimal clinically important difference was similar to both groups, but the percentage of patients re reaching the patient acceptable symptom state was significantly lower for, for smokers. So what we're seeing here is, is that smokers are in risk of inferior outcome, not only in terms of complications, but also in terms of patient reported outcomes. And, so it's a, sorry, really a simple idea. It's just a, a bit different that it's what's usually been done with, with smokers. Can you tell me a little bit more about the definition of what was an acceptable clinical state to the patients? Well, that's that's taken from from other from other paper, um, adult adult spinal deformity. Um, the, uh, it's in a paper by Anne Mannion, so um, it's defined with the with the questionnaire with the SRS with the SRS questionnaire. You have you have like it's very similar to to the MCID to the uh, mm. very similar methodology to get it, but but it's a bit different. Uh, because it it just looks at the state of the patient, not the change he's experienced with, with 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 time or with or with a surgery or with a, or, or with a treatment. Yeah, so it, it sounds like that you have identified in smokers uh, a group of patients who started off in a worse position, um, and they did improve by a similar magnitude than yeah. non-smokers, but they ended up worse than the non-smokers because they started off worse than the non-smokers. Yeah. yeah, that's it. And that's that's previously been seen in other in other in other orthopedic pathologies like in uh, meniscal tears or or shoulder arthroscopy. It's not a new thing. It's not a new thing in in general. It is a new thing in spine surgery, but um you can you can see that and there are multiple ex possible explanations for this. What we've seen is not just uh, an issue of pain because we know that spinal pain is correlated with, with smoking. That's been proven previously in multiple studies, but it's not just an issue of pain. It's, it's, it's rather more an, an, an issue of um, a global spectrum of negative impact, no? I think. Mm -hmm. So one of the questions I had looking at your data, um, obviously it's represented across a number of different centers. And I know from my experience, I'm a, I'm a pediatric deformity surgeon, so most of my patients don't smoke, thankfully, but my adult colleagues have variable criteria for when uh, they will, for how they will counsel a patient who's a smoker for, for doing an operation. And some of them uh, are more strict than others and might, uh, demand that a patient uh, quit smoking or reduce smoking before they'll even be considered for, for, uh, for an operation of this magnitude. Can you speak to how different, how criteria might vary for uh, offering surgical intervention to patients who are smokers across these institutions? Yeah, that's a tricky thing. That's you're, you're completely right. Uh, each surgeon has a different way of telling the patient to stop smoking. I know we all do it but um, in a different ways. Uh, the tricky thing really with this was what to do with the former smokers um, because lots of our patients, of our former smokers, were, were recently quitters because some of them quit for, to, get, to get to surgery. 
So there was lots of crossing, of group crossing during follow-up between ex-smokers to smokers again. And we didn't want to include, well, our statistician advised us not to include those, those patients. Because of that and because um, smoking status was self-reported. So we didn't take measures of uh, blood samples. We asked the patient if, if, if he was smoking. So former smokers and former smokers, um, that could be a misreporting due to to desire uh, um, to I don't know how to how to put this. Um, patient sometimes socially doesn't want to tell you that he's he's back on on smoke you know what i mean it's mm-hmm. that's a bias that could be introduced using the the, the former smoker sample so we, we didn't de- do any analysis on them so what proportion of patients do you think were uh former smokers who then relapsed is that a, a very small number or is that a significant number it was a significant number um maybe we had I I don't have the numbers now because we excluded those patients, but maybe we had like 200 former smokers and 30 of of those group crossed during the follow up. So that's quite a big number, you know. But so we couldn't we couldn't get any significant conclusion from for them, and that's a, a question that remains unanswered in, in our study. Uh, what effect smoking cessation has on proms? How long does it take to to get the same results, and if it, it and if it's a matter of the personality of the smoker, or 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 just the the, the nicotine he's getting into into his body, you know. Yeah, you, you wonder whenever we have a prognostic study like this, if if it's a if smoking is a modifiable risk factor, or if once you've been classified as a smoker, you're always going to be in that category yeah. of, of having uh, worse problems. What do you think? Yeah, that's the thing. I'm not sure, really. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I can't answer that with this with with this data. So, I think I think to some degree it's a modifiable factor. I'm sure for complications it is. I'm not sure if it's a modifiable factor for for problems really. I can't answer with my data then. Yeah, and then so you excluded patients with uh, mechanical complications and pseudoarthrosis. Um, partially to sort of make this a cleaner uh, study, right? Just to look at the independent effect of smoking on patient protocol measures, excluding Mm -hmm. complications. So you you excluded complications in the smoker and non-smoker group. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Mechanical complications were excluded. Not, not, we didn't exclude, we excluded infection and mechanical complications. We didn't exclude any other type of complications, just mechanical and infection. Yeah. And how many patients were excluded because of because of that? Do you know? Um, roughly. Roughly uh, 400 or so. That was before the propensity score matching. It, we we, okay. we have lots of mechanical complications. We have because we have a long follow up. So yeah. lots of mechanical complications. Yeah. So, so it sounds like you could use this paper to help counsel um, counsel your patients that uh, in the best of scenarios, you're still not going to quite achieve the health status of someone who was never a smoker, but you still have a lot to gain from from adult spinal deformity surgery. Is that is that fair to say? If everything goes well, yeah, 
you, you, you can best, still in the best yeah, case scenario. The best, that's it. If everything goes well, you can you can improve as much as as, as a non-smoker, but you still are in risk of inferior outcome. That's the thing, and yeah. that's true regardless the type of treatment the patient gets because even if you're not operating on this patient, they have worse baseline problems. So even if they're they're not getting surgery, they should stop smoking. That's roughly what you should say them, yeah. Well, yet yet another health benefit that we can ascribe to quitting smoking. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing really, yeah. Something yeah. else we could put into the package of, yeah. The cigarettes, yeah. <laughs> Great. All right. Uh, well, any any other ways that you think this is going to change the way you practice or how should our members uh, interpret these results in their practices? Well, I'm, I'm usually, but uh, I'm very assertive of my, my patients about uh, smoking, qu quitting smoking, because I'm only thinking about thinking, I'm always thinking about complications, but I think there's, there's something else. Uh, there's something more than the complications. We know that uh, tobacco uh, accelerates, uh, accelerates uh, disc degeneration. You know, we know it messes with the autonomic uh, nervous system. So there's a sympathetic predominance in smokers. So there are lots of things that 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 tell us that a smoker is not going to do as well as a as a non-smoker. Um, with every treatment we give them. So so it's just something else to tell them. Even if you don't have a complication, expect to not not be as 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 fine as your colleague who doesn't smoke is, you know, it's that's the, the message. Great. All right. Loud and clear. Don't start smoking. And if you are, that's it. You should probably Stop quit. It. Yeah. <laughs> Great. All right. Well, uh, thanks very much for joining us. Um, congratulations on your award and thanks to our listeners for, uh, for joining us for another episode of Scoliosis Dialogues and stay tuned. There's plenty more to come. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me here. The Scoliosis Research Society is a nonprofit professional organization made up of physicians and allied health personnel. Their primary focus is on providing continuing medical education for healthcare professionals and on funding and supporting research in spinal deformities. Please visit srs.org for further information.